topic that you're addressing um, and just, I think, I, I just think it's going to be great. I think day two, well, thank you. people are expecting like a downshift and they're going to get mm-hmm. an upshift. And I just love that. Like, I just, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So, uh, but I want to talk, let's, are you actually recording? Are you actually recording right now? Just so I'm clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have it on. We'll see how much of this I actually use. Um, just, okay. I, I usually just okay. start it from the beginning. So that way I don't forget. Um, but yeah, I, uh, uh, well, let's let's just let's just bring it in. So, um, for anyone who isn't familiar with you, give a give give the audience just the the sixty minute elevator pitch, and then I want to get into um, ice cream for business owners or business leaders. Sorry. Uh, well, um, I'm Billy Williams. I'm the president of the Williams Family Investment Group and Inspire a Nation Business Mentoring. And I love the insurance industry. It has provided me more blessings than I ever thought I would have. The thing where I am different than most other gurus slash consultants slash whatever is that because I own a piece of many Point. Most consultants tell you what other people are doing that might be successful, but if my people aren't doing it, that means it actually takes dollars out of my pocket. So I'm looking at it much harder, much deeper, much longer than other people would look at something because, again, if it fails, it takes dollars out of my pocket. So that's why I tend to have a, a lot more passion about the things that I'm discussing than a normal guru slash consultant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you came, uh, so we were, I was emailing you about, uh, you know, so for those of you listening, uh, Billy is kicking off day two of Elevate this year, Tuesday morning. He's our, he's our, our morning keynote. And uh, I, I actually was saying, and whether it makes it in the show or not, that uh, what I love about uh, and, and to give you guys the backstory, um, uh, Billy and I, we loose on knowing each other uh, on social. And then Cass called me one day and he's like, how come you're not connected to Billy Williams? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, you need to go get connected to Billy. So then we talked on the phone after an hour of that. I was like, you have to come to Elevate. And now we're doing our second podcast together. So that's kind of how this relationship has evolved. And um, I'm emailing Billy and I'm like, uh, you know, what, what do you want to do? What's your topic going to be? Because so people at home know, I don't choose topics for speakers. I choose people who I think need to be in front of the Elevate audience or the Elevate audience needs to be in front of. And then I let them choose what they want to talk about. That's how I craft the Elevate conference. It's not trying to ram a topic down someone's throat. It's I want the best that someone wants to give in that moment. And you come back with... Um, Ice cream, which is an acronym for business leaders. Lessons business leaders usually learn the hard way. And I was like, it was like you were dialed into exactly what my brain is thinking about right now. And uh, I want to use the next 20, 25 minutes together as a way to kind of give people a taste of what they're going to get, talk a little bit through this process. And then I know you have some resources for them that they can get now to start to to start to dig into this. And uh, I want to direct people to those. Excellent. 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 Well, if you want me to jump right in. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Jump right in, man. And then we'll, we'll rock and roll. Here's the deal. I deal with thousands of agents a year. Uh, I deal with hundreds of them directly and then hundreds and hundreds of them through training and other things that we do. Most agencies, most business leaders, and I say business leaders in general because whether you're an insurance agent or whether you're a shoe shop owner or whether you're a dry cleaner, what we find is most business leaders are pretty good at the skills their actual job requires. Okay, so insurance agents are pretty good at selling insurance, and we're pretty good at discussing and explaining things. But we're not so great at being a good business leader or being a good boss. So we make a lot of mistakes as business leaders, and there are a lot of lessons that we learn the hard way. And so I was sitting down, I was like, I wonder if people ever wish that they had a book of short quotes and key thoughts that they could quickly scan and identify many of the mistakes that we make as business leaders. More importantly, do they want to have that wisdom or that that explanation kind of packed into that little short quote so that they can get a, a fill for everything in one spot? 
And so I kind of did a, I did a survey, I guess you could say, and I, everywhere I would go, I would ask people, and they go, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then you know I love sayings, Ryan. Yeah. I, I love saying little things that make that stick in people's mind. So I said, I'm going to start really working on this book. And I, I called it Ice Cream. And Ice Cream is an acronym. Stands The I is for income and money. And the key thought is the person that masters their money has no master. The C is covering your weaknesses. The key thought there is where you are in life today is a direct reflection of how you have managed your business and personal weaknesses. The E is ego, emotion, and expectations. If you control these, you take control of your destiny. C is communication. What you plan to say, what you actually say, and what you wish you had said. The R is relationship, personal, professional, and we need to understand the difference between a good relationship versus a successful relationship. The next E is education. Asking the right questions is like having a GPS. It guides us to where we need to go. You know, excuse me, I jumped ahead. E is education, both our personal, professional, and spiritual education. A is asking questions. Asking the right questions like a GPS guides us to where we need to go. And then mentorship, why we need them, what to expect once we have them, and why everyone needs to be a mentor to someone else. So I took those eight topics, ice cream, and I said, I want to put this in a way that it's simple, it's easy, and the best way to do that was just put it in little key thoughts, nothing, nothing deep or detailed. In fact, some of them are kind of humorous and say, if you'll remember this little saying, and I'll explain why this little saying is important, we'll be able to do that. So, Ryan, I thought I would have, you know, maybe 50, 60. I have 280 so far. Okay, <laughs> so far. <laughs> And, and so now it's like, okay, how do I cut this down a little bit, or do I need to cut anything out? But every time I go to cut something out, it's like, no, that's actually important. Somebody needs to hear that. So I have to have this book to my editors by April 10th. I don't know how big it's going to be or how long it's going to be. I just know my whole thing is when someone gets it, I want this to be a reference book. I want this to be a library of information that they can just go to and say, this really helped me. This made me understand. So I'm going to jump in real quick because I know our listeners yeah. want, want to get to this. I'm going to jump in real quick. First thing we talk about are the five reasons for having your career, okay? There are five reasons that you should be in business or have your career. Number one, passion. Your career, your job should be an outlet for your passion or it should fund your passion. And a lot of people make a mistake in believing that they have to love their job. No, you don't. You always have to be good at your job, but you don't have to love your job because your job should either be your passion or fund your passion. So if I like boating and this job pays me well enough that I can go buy a boat and be on the boat every weekend, then guess what? I'm going to be good at my job, but this job is funding my passion. Does that make sense, Ryan? Complete. Okay, perfect. Next is your product. Your product should make people's lives better in some way. And I think a lot of times we forget that. Whatever we sell, we're not just selling something so someone can have it. We're selling it because it makes their life better. And insurance, a lot of times, we forget that the purpose of insurance is to provide the coverage that will best protect our customers' quality of life should a claim occur. That's what we do to make people's lives better. Not just get them a cheaper price, not just remarket them to another company, not just, you know, have someone that they can call, but provide the protection that's there when they have a claim. And so we always have to stay focused on that. So number two is your product. Number three is profit. Good business practices and disciplined money management are going to make our business profitable. If we don't have a profitable business, what's the point? Because if we don't have a profitable business, we can't do number four, which is philanthropy. A profitable business can help provide resources for charities, for causes, for community activities. So if you, if you are so busy struggling in your business that you can't do anything for anyone else, then something's wrong. Okay? And we need to look at how you're managing your business, how you're running your business, the practices that you have, and more importantly, your discipline. And then the fifth thing is it should be personification of your values. Your business practices should reflect your values. And they do, and we don't realize it. If we're a crook, 
our business practices reflect that, okay? You can tell shady agents. They hire shady staff. They have shady practices. They'll tell you shady stories and, and try to come up with little shady ways of getting you insurance that you don't qualify for. So your, your business is a personification of your values, both good or bad. So that's the first thing is we need to understand the five reasons that we even have a career to begin with. Does that make sense, Ryan? It does. I, I have a couple follow-up questions if that's okay. No, please. Go ahead. So um, my first question is around um, – well, these aren't going to be in any particular order. Uh, you know, what does – does philanthropy just mean giving back to a charity or is the philanthropy aspect in some regards um, uh, adhering to your responsibility to take care of the people in which you employ? To a point, but that really falls under running good business practices and making your business profitable. Okay. If you're profitable, that's when you're profitable, and this is one of those little sayings later on, People who aren't profitable or they don't run a good business, they step over dollars to pick up dimes, okay? Let me, let me explain that. Let's say there is a, a lead source that opens up. Maybe this agent's controlled this lead source for 10 years and now all of a sudden it's open. Well, I don't have good business practices. So I don't have the money or the savings or credit or the ability to put something on my credit card to go and get this lead source. Well, I because I don't have that lead source, I'm gonna go with what's cheap. I'm gonna overwork my employees. I'm gonna yell and fuss at them because I'm stressed out and I'm, I'm emotionally all involved in all this. And so we're gonna go try to find some cheap way of doing this same thing or low cost way. And most, most of the time, what I'm doing is I'm stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. So my staff is getting screwed, my business is getting screwed, and it's all because of my lack of discipline, my lack of money management. So in that regard, when I talk about philanthropy, what I'm really talking about is the ability to give, the ability to either give, like I said, to your community, or give your time, or give your effort, give give money. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about philanthropy. That makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. I just, um, you know, something that's been a hot button for me, and I'm I'm just interested in in your perspective on this in general, is uh, I, I get a lot of reach out from... Uh, producers in particular who man they they want to be more and they feel very much like they um are 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 taken advantage of would be the is would be the wrong word because it's it's nefarious um uh more just like like their agency owner is indifferent to them, like whether, you know what I mean? Like it's, and they just feel unsupported and, and that kind of stuff. And I was wondering if, uh, you know, what's your, what's your perspective on or, or where it falls in these things, your people, right. And, and t- like, I, I wake up every morning and I, I have 17 people that work in my team and I feel an immense responsibility to, to, to everything you talked about to, to, to always abide by my own value structure, to lead by example, all, all these things that you talked about, I feel, and I'm, I'm just wondering where that falls in. Cause I, I think it's something that we forget about that. We, these people don't just work for us. Like we have a responsibility to make sure that they're taken care of, that they, that their jobs are safe and that they, we pay them well and they can take care of their own families. I mean, I, I don't know. Where do you fall on that? Well, I think it's all of it combined. So let's look at the five reasons, passion, product, profit, philanthropy, and personification of values. So every day when you wake up, taking care of what you do should be your passion. If it's not your passion, it should fund your passion. Okay. So when you wake up every day, you have a passion to make sure your people are taken care of. But you also have to put out a good product because if you don't put out a good product, they're not going to have a job anyway. So your job is to hold them accountable for maintaining the values and maintaining the, the product that you're putting out. By doing that, you can make your business more profitable. And then when we talk about personification of values, I skipped over philanthropy on this one, but when we talk about personification of values, they will mimic, people mimic what they see in you. Okay, let's just get that straight. You as the leader, they mimic what they see in you. So when you go in every day, if you'll understand I have to show passion. I got to make sure my product is good. I got to make sure that we're running a good business and we're running good business practices and I got discipline money management and time management and I'm showing that this is my value. I'm a good, clean, above the board kind of guy. 
your people are going to be happy. Yeah. Right? You're not going to take advantage of them. Those agents that are taking advantage of those folks, a lot of times are the people that are not running a good business. And so they're so busy dealing with the stresses and struggles that they're going through that they don't have time to notice you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You are the – so do you know Ryan Walter? Have you ever heard that name? I have not. Okay. Uh, so he's going to be at Elevate, and you got you got the two of you need to meet. Um, he's a former uh, NHL player, won the Stanley Cup with um, the Canadians, and uh, he does a lot of leadership training now. He was a coach in the NHL, and um, and he's going to be at Elevate. He's speaking on day on day one on Monday. And, and he said that that idea of your people mimic you, like how you operate, how you uh, live your business life, how you how you the things you do around the office, the way you talk, the way you present yourself, your people mimic that. He said that very similar thing. And I hope people who listen to this show uh, take that for for how much how important that aspect is. And I think we forget that, that do as I say, not as I do does not work. Um, I, man, right. that makes so much sense to me, man. I, I, I'm glad that you said that, that, that really hammers that point home. I think it's incredibly important for us to remember that. So no, that's awesome. Okay. Okay. So let me jump into this because I know we're limited on time. Yeah. So yeah. Keep, our, keep rolling, I, man. We're just going to, we're going to do a couple of things on each one of these. Yes, so let's go with I, income and money, and some of those key thoughts. First key thought is most people make enough money to get into trouble, but they don't save enough money to get out of trouble when things get financially tough. Okay, And so we run into that all the time with agency owners, and their excuse is, I'm investing in my business. I'm, I'm, I'm putting all the money back into my business. And then when we sit down and actually look at what they're doing, they're not putting their money back into their business. They're putting it into uh, wasted effort over here, or they're buying stuff to try and cover up their own weaknesses, or they're buying stuff because they have a lot of self-doubt, and they're buying things to try to cover up their self-doubt. So it's like, you know, you're not putting your money back in your business. You're putting your money back in your ego and that is not necessarily your business and but and then they don't save and and every business owner that's listening i don't care if you've been in business for 50 years for two years for two days you have to save money not just personal money but business money so most people make enough money to get into trouble but they don't save enough to get out of trouble when things get financially tough yeah okay do you have any right. um Next. do you do you have a trick for that? Like uh like um is there anything uh or like a, a tip for, for saving money? Because I, I, I completely agree with you obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not one of the things I'll talk about, but I'll just I'll replace it and we'll go with this what you just asked. So yes, first thing is it has to be automatic. Okay, it has to be automatic. The reason why 401ks work is not because 401k money is there and because companies match and do all this. The reason why 401ks work is because it's automatic. Because if you took that same amount of money and a company gave you a check and said, here's 3% that we're going to match, here's your check, that money would never make it into a 401k plan. It would never make it to the bank most of the time. It will be spent on a water bill, electric bill, light bill, whatever you got. Okay. So you have to make it automatic. You guys, what, what, I, what I've done my entire career is whenever a carrier would pay me or whenever something would happen, I would automatically have a certain percentage removed and transferred to a bank that I had no debit card, no checking, no uh, checkbook, nothing. I just couldn't get to that money unless I drove to that bank and filled out a withdrawal slip. Okay, so if I was with Chase, then I would have the money sent to a Wells Fargo account. If I was with Wells Fargo, I'd have the money sent to, you know, a Bank of America account. But mm. you have to do it automatically. If you don't make it automatic, once that money hits your hands, it, you're done. Yeah, it's a done deal. I like that. Cool. That's that's a good one. That's that's actually really that's really smart. Okay. N uh, next thought on I, and then we'll jump to C, is your net worth is a direct reflection of your network, okay? Your net worth is a direct reflection of your network. Guess what, guys? If you hang around with four broke people, you will be the fifth. That's just how it works. 
So you have to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people that can help to enhance you financially. See, there are money makers, money savers, and money takers. Money makers, you have to work to have money makers around you. Money savers, you can hire those folks. Money takers, you don't have to worry about them. They're always around. <laughs> oh, you never have to worry. You never have yeah. to worry about that at all. But money makers are not a group of people that just they're sitting there waiting on you because the people that can help you the most have the least amount of time to do it. Okay, so they're not sitting there waiting on you. You have to work. I had to work to meet you. I don't know if you remember this or not, Ryan. I sent you emails. I left you messages. I did all kind of stuff. But it wasn't until Jason said, hey, you need to connect with Billy Williams that you actually connected with me. But here's the deal. If I hadn't laid that foundation, if I hadn't di direct messaged you on LinkedIn, if I hadn't emailed you, if I hadn't called you, the fact that Jason said, hey, you need to know who Billy Williams is wouldn't have meant as much because you had no foundation with me to begin with. We have to work for our money makers. We have to work. We have to identify them and, and reach out to them continually and consistently sometimes to make sure that we're building a network of people that can help us because your net worth is a direct reflection of your network. Truth. Does that make sense? Completely. Yes, 100%. Okay. So let's go down to C now. Cover your weaknesses. Where you are in life today is a product of your ability to cover and manage your weaknesses. Regardless of how far your strengths propel you, you could have gone much further if you had managed and covered your weaknesses better than you did. And sometimes that weakness is time management. Sometimes that weakness is money management. Sometimes that weakness is your ego, your emotion. Sometimes we all have weaknesses. We all know the player when we were in high school that was like the stud football player or the stud basketball player that never made it to college, never made it to the pros. They were, their, their strengths were amazing, but they wouldn't show up to practice or they showed up with an attitude or they got in trouble with the police because they wouldn't, wouldn't stop hanging around the wrong people. So wherever you are in life today is nothing more than a reflection of how you have managed your weaknesses. And the number one weakness that we all have is lack of discipline. Lack of discipline is the most expensive item you will ever own. Okay? And so we have to learn to, to understand that. Now, there are four types of discipline. They're in business. We're talking business. There's four types of disciplines. There's self-discipline, accountability, automation and technology, and outsourcing. So... Self-discipline will always fail you because it's tied to your emotions. And you can have the best of intentions, but you leave out in the morning, I'm going to go in and this is, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then what happens? Some guy cuts you off or some gal cuts you off in traffic. Then your wife calls you and tells you that the dog pooped on the carpet. Then you realize I left my garage door open. So by the time you get into your, your office, all that emotion has now filled all that crap that you planned on doing. And guess what? That self-discipline goes out the door. So we don't rely on self-discipline when we're talking about making money. We rely on accountability. We rely on automation and technology. And we rely on outsourcing. So basically, if you won't do it, if you won't hold someone else accountable for doing it, you won't set up the automation to do it, then you're going to have to let someone else do it. That's what it takes. And a lot of business owners won't do that. They won't outsource. They won't set up automation and technology. They won't hold people accountable. And then they just say, oh, I'm going to do it myself. And then it just sits on their desk and dies. You know, Ryan, how many times have you walked in an agent's office and they'll tell you, oh, uh, I'm, I'm going to get to that. But first, I got to understand it. I can't turn it over to Susie until I understand it. But, dude, you've been, you've been waiting a year to understand it, and you haven't gotten a step further. What makes you think you're suddenly going to get it in the next? six months. How much money have you lost because you held on to it as opposed to delegating, delegating it to someone else? Why is it so hard Follow for me? people? I, I'm 100% so, with you. Yeah. Ego. And that's, in fact, we'll jump right into that right now. The, the E is ego, arrogance. Well, it's ego, emotion, and expectation. But ego has two parts to it. Ego has ego and it has arrogance. Ego is what we do. Arrogance is what we refuse to do. Mm. Okay? So ego says, I can do this. 
our arrogance says, I won't do this. So a lot of times it's our arrogance. It's what we refuse to do. And arrogance is, is based on emotion. So arrogance is based on, most of the time, it's based on our bad emotions, okay? So it's based on self-doubt. It's based on insecurities. It's based on a lot of things. One of the things that I've learned in business, I don't deal with perfectionists. I, I don't deal with perfectionists well at all. Because the pursuit of perfection is really you kind of telling yourself something is never good enough. Okay, that's what you're really telling yourself. Something is never good enough, no matter how sad it might look. And most of the time that comes from our own insecurities of us not being good enough. So I used to believe that people who were perfectionists were just, uh, and again, this is all my opinion, okay? This is all my opinion. So I used to believe that people who were perfectionists were just making excuses to not finish stuff, or they were just really slow, or they were just really, really whatever. But now I've learned in being older, I'm 56 now, now I've learned in being older that most perfectionists have some serious self-doubt. So they never believe that what they're doing is good enough. They never believe that what they're trying to accomplish will actually work because of their own insecurities. So the only way you can control that that emotion of self-doubt, of insecurities, of I have to, it has to be absolutely perfect because if someone sees it and it's not perfect, they're going to judge me and I don't want people judging me, okay? The only way you can control that is by having a checklist, by having a set process, by having a, a, a way of doing things that removes the emotion because emotion sits between thoughts and actions. All that space between when you think about doing something and when you actually do it is filled with emotion. And the only way you can control an emotion is by having a set process, a set standard, a set way of doing things. Because if you don't, emotion will take over. So you think about your elite athletes, those top people in the world. Whenever they're in that pressure moment, they don't sit there and think, oh my God, I hope I get this right, I hope I do it right, I hope I do. No, they rely on their training. They go back to, is my foot in the right place? Is my arm in the right place? Am I holding my breath right? Am I doing the strokes that I'm supposed to do? And when you think, of, think about any interview that you've had with a top athlete anywhere in the world, they never go, well, I sat there and I was like, come on, Dave, you really, 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 really got to do this. They say, well, you know what? That's what I train for. That's why I practice every day. That's why when I needed that muscle memory, it was there for me. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, this morning I was dropping my son off at the babysitters and I was listening to this new podcast that I found called Big Questions with Cal Fussman. Um, and he interviewed Kobe Bryant. And Kobe's got the new animated series out and he was um, – I don't. Did he win the Academy Award? I, I can't. I don't remember to be honest. Yeah, he did. He did. did. Yeah, he did. yeah. He won. He won. So this is won before he knew whether he won that or not. He recorded this, but he was talking about making it and then and relating it to getting ready for an NBA season. And the word he kept using because because uh, this Cal Fussman is an incredible interviewer, like an all time great interviewer ever. He's he's amazing. Um, and Kobe kept saying, you know. It was about the process. Like you never, the finished result, and he was specifically talking about the fact that, uh, for those that don't know, um, John Williams did the score of this film, who also did Star Wars and Jaws and all these other amazing movies. You know, uh, Cal called him the Beethoven Mm -hmm. of our generation, which he most likely is. Um, And he said, he said, the first time that I heard this score that that John Williams put together was the first time that he had heard it because he just worked the process. You know, John Williams just worked Mm -hmm. this process and worked this process and worked this process and never thought about the finished product because he knew if he worked his process without ever stepping out to listen to to where it was until it was ready that that it would get you know that he would start to inject his feelings into it so he just worked up he goes it was like the most and, and this is Kobe describing this and then saying you know I had never thought about it about my own process that way until I saw John Williams because now I'm looking at it going oh my god like you know the the three point shot 
in the NBA Finals that goes in, that that has nothing to do with that moment and everything to do with the 10 million moments that happened before just by working the process. You know, I need to take this many jumpers. I need to do this. I need to work on my jump roping or whatever. It's just, it was just, it's an incredible interview. Uh, big questions, Cal Fussman, Kobe Bryant. I highly recommend it, but it's just funny. I have relate to this thing so completely. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. And, and that's what you have to understand is this is this isn't anything new or revolutionary. I've just put it in a way to make it simple yeah. and quick and easy. OK, so the next. So we talked about ego. We talked about emotions. Now let's talk about expectations. People don't disappoint you. Your expectations of people is what disappoints you. And your expectations should have some historical basis behind them. If there's no history, why do you have the expectation? What you really should have is a hope, a wish, or a desire, but expectations should have history behind them. And if there's no history, there shouldn't be an expectation because people don't disappoint you. Your expectations of people disappoint you. So agents shouldn't have an expectation that their staff is going to write 50 policies if they've never written 50 policies, especially if the agent has never trained them. If you don't have a history of training your people, then don't expect your people to be trained. Yeah. Okay. So, but a lot of agents do that. Next is communication. There are four deadly sins of communication. Giving everyone's communication the same priority. That's sin number one. Your money makers and your energy makers should always have the priority when, whenever possible. But you don't give everyone's communication the same priority. So before, while we're setting up this call, I'm like, Ryan, am I calling you or are you calling me? And Ryan said, well, I'm going to call you. And I said, okay, call me on this number. I said, but you have to either tell me what number you're calling from or you have to, you know, you have to make sure your caller ID pops up because I don't answer the phone for any and everybody. I just don't do it. It's not that I'm arrogant. It's just that I understand that I can't give everyone's communication the same priority. The same person that's wasting my time can't have the same priority as the person who's making me money. Yeah. That, that part, I'll tell you, that has been a lesson that I have had to learn uh, the hard way. I shouldn't say the hard way, um, but I've had to learn that lesson very, very, very rapidly uh, since September. Um, the team that I manage went from like five people to now 18 people in like seven months. And, uh, and the departments have, you know, now it's business development, sales, and all of marketing. And, you know, and long story short, um, when you start to look at your business, and, and I actually just did a vlog about this a couple of days or a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, as leaders, we have to be so, we have to be even more, um, I don't want to use the word controlling because that has negative connotations, but uh, diligent. Uh, diligent, diligent, diligent about where we spend our time because, it's so easy to get pulled off into tasks that that other people should be able to make those decisions and we have to be comfortable enough and this is you know this is what i'm learning is i have to be comfortable enough to say whatever you recommend as the person who manages that task i have to live with your decision you know or, or you know talk you through it but ultimately like you know, at a certain point, we become unqualified to make decisions. And if we try to stay in everything, then we're making actually worse decisions, decisions that don't help our business when someone who's more qualified to make that decision should be making it, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. And, and that, well, it goes back to ego and arrogance. Yeah. You know, we believe that somehow I refuse to allow you to have that kind of control. I refuse to allow you to have that kind of leadership or, or, or influence. Why are they in that position then? Why do we hire people and put them in positions that we don't trust they're going to actually do the job? Yeah. So a lot of that our own issues. So let me get through. Yes. These yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I keep uh, taking us off track. No, no. Oh, no. I could, you know, we could talk all day. No problem. <laughs> number one, giving everyone's communication the same priority. Number two, not thoroughly reading or listening to valuable communication from your money makers. This goes right along with giving everyone's communication the same priority. Nothing is more irritating to me than when I email someone or I send someone something and I, so I say, look, if you do this, you're going to make ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars by following this process and doing it this way. And then I'll call them and say, Hey, did you get my email? And they go, Yeah, yeah, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Or or I looked at it, but I, you know, I just kinda skimmed over it and I'll get back to it later. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? But that's what we do. Not thoroughly reading or listening to valuable communication from our money makers. Third, not asking enough questions. 
Okay, every child is taught in second or third grade who, what, when, why, where, how. Hey, at least I know my kids were. I was. Who, what, when, why, where, how. If you can answer those questions for scenario, you've just answered 90% of all the issues that are going to come up. But we don't do that. You know, we, we don't even go through that little simple child's game, I guess you could say. We don't do that. So now I'm, I'm sitting here, we're dealing with $100,000 cases, and I'll say, well, who's going to do that? You know, I didn't ask. Well, when are we supposed to meet with them again? Mm, I'll have to call them and see. Well, how are we supposed to deliver this to them? Well, you know, never really thought about that. Come on, guys. And then number four, not having defined times to communicate with important customers, prospects, referral partners, and money makers. So the four deadly sins of communication, giving everyone's, the same, giving everyone's communication the same priority, not thoroughly reading or listening to valuable communication from our money makers, not asking enough questions, and not having defined times to communicate with important people. Okay, that's the C. Let's talk about R. Know the difference between a good relationship and a successful relationship. Mm. A good relationship has good communication and mutual respect. A successful relationship is when all the parties involved are working toward a common outcome. Okay, a common outcome. So let me put this in an example that we all know. Husband and wife have been married for 30 years. Can't stand each other. Okay, can't even stand to be in the same room or the same house. But they have kids. So do they have a good relationship? No. But do they have a sex, a successful relationship? Yes, because they are both working toward making sure those kids have everything they need, making sure they're where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, how they're supposed to be there, making sure that you know all the bills are paid, making sure that everything is good. And sometimes we in business, we mistake good relationships for successful relationships. I'll ask people, do you have referral partners? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe is a referral partner. When's the last time Joe sent you a referral? Well, he hadn't sent me a referral in six months. Then how is that a good, successful referral partner? Well, I like him a lot. We go to lunch, you know, every month, and we sit down, and we talk, and, you know, I just – okay, you have a good relationship, but you don't have a successful relationship. I have a lot of partners, Ryan, and there are some of my partners, and they're listening to this podcast. There are some of my partners that I have a good relationship with, but it is not successful. They are not making me money. And then there are some partners that I have a successful relationship that I literally can't stand to be in the same room with. Okay? Hmm. That's a really so – that's an important point. That's I never thought about it that way before. That's – yeah, rock and roll, man. So, again, we have to understand the difference between a good relationship and a successful relationship. And in business, you need successful relationships to operate a successful business. Hmm. Okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. (laughs) No problem. Okay, education. Three levels of education, information, knowledge, and wisdom. Information is data that we acquire. We become familiar with it. So when, we, when, you're, when you're listening to your podcast or I'm reading the paper or I'm doing whatever, okay, we're acquiring data. Knowledge is how we apply the information that we acquire or we, we apply the data that we acquire. So you listening to that podcast is you gathering information, but you taking something away and actually using it in your day That's knowledge. Now, the next level is wisdom. Wisdom is how we share our knowledge and experiences to benefit others. How does that equate to money? Information is free. Knowledge can be sold or bought. Wisdom is rented. Okay? So let's let's take it in a medical medical field. Yeah, I can go to the store. I can go to the. I can read something online and says, "Hey, you need to take this particular, you know, over the counter drug." Okay, so I've got some information. Now I go to the store and I buy the product. All right, so now I'm taking in. I've got some knowledge, but now I see how it affects me, and I start to see how I use it. Now I'm passing that on to to my family or to whatever. I'm passing on wisdom. Okay, so let's take that into the insurance world and how we make money, how people get wealthy because of this. One, information. You put out a podcast, great information. 
you share knowledge. You take that information, you apply it, you talk to people, okay, this is what I do, this is how other agents are doing it, this is whatever, you share that knowledge. But if they want access to you every day, they want access to your wisdom and how you're sharing it, they gotta, they gotta rent that. And that could be renting through, like with me, through the video and document library. You know, you rent the access to it every month. That could be renting through what you are doing by becoming a part of smart choice, by becoming, I mean, excuse me, trusted choice, by becoming a part of, of how you're doing things. So people rent that. So it's the same thing. When you, buy, when you buy a computer program or you buy something like that, if I buy it once, that's knowledge. But if I pay continuously for it, I'm assuming that that's wisdom. And how do you get rich in the insurance world? By sharing wisdom. Those agents that are selling knowledge, hey, I can get you a cheap policy, you know, I, I, I can do this. Okay, you just made a one-time sale and the person's gonna leave you on the next renewal and it's all good. And then you're, you're complaining about, oh, how the insurance industry sucks and you know the prices are horrible and da da. That's because you're, you're selling knowledge. But renting wisdom, Okay, Bob, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to show you how I can save you money, but I'm going to show you how this coverage is going to protect your family. And then next year when you change and your daughter gets ready to go to high school, we're going to make this change. And now you're getting ready to retire. We're going to take your 401K and we're going to do this. That person's not going to leave you because you are renting your wisdom over and over and over. Does that make sense, Ryan? Yes, it does. Yeah, I, I wasn't... I wasn't sure how you were going to turn that back around, but man, that it makes complete sense to me. Um, yeah, I, 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 I have like a thousand questions, but I also am completely taking this in right now at the same time. So just keep rolling, man. No, I that makes complete sense, and it it's what we it's what we both preach, right? The it, yes, hundred percent. Keep rolling. <laughs> Okay, no problem. So, and, and, and you guys that get the book, I'll, I expand on that a little bit more. But just understand, if you want to be wealthy, you need to be wise. And you rent your wisdom. You don't give away your, your wisdom. You rent your wisdom. All right. So, let's talk about asking questions. Who, what, when, why, where, how? Okay. Who, what, when, why, where, how? Before you walk away from a situation, you should have all of those questions answered. Now, it goes, from, from there it goes facts, goals, obstacles, solutions. Your emotion should come in at the end of everything you do. It should never be in the front. Because anything you put emotion in front of is magnified. So if you put emotion in front of a problem, the problem seems bigger than what it really is. If you put emotion in front of a solution, the solution seems better than what it really is. But if you go through your steps, facts, what are the facts? What are the goals? What are the obstacles that's stopping those goals? And what are solutions to the obstacles? And you address the who, what, when, why, where, how of each level. What are the, what's the who, what, when, why, where, how of facts? What's the who, what, when, why, where, how of goals? What's the who, what, when, why, where, how of, of uh, obstacles? You'll be amazed how it'll all work out for you. But most people won't take the time to think in a process. Remember what I said earlier. How do you control emotions? By following a set process, including how you think, how you act, how you perform, how you, how you plan to say something. By following a set process, you control your emotions. Ryan, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Now, uh, just on the questioning... Is there like a, and maybe this is in your book, and it, is there like, um, do you recommend like, is it just repetition and working through this? Or is there, do, you, do people, is there like a process that you work through, a questioning process that actually is this question and that question? Or is it more understanding the idea and working through it in the natural course of a conversation? Like how structured with yeah, questioning do you recommend people get? In the beginning, if you don't, if you don't know how to ask questions, then just go who, what, when, why, where, how. Okay, seriously, just go, okay, well, who's this? So if I'm meeting you for the first time, I'm say, I'm sorry, now, who are you again? I'm Ryan, you know, this is what I do. Okay, Ryan, what do you do? Okay, oh, I do this, da, 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 da. Okay, why did you get into that? And where do you work? And when, when, when do you find yourself... When are you most needed? You know, you know what I mean. You kind of yeah. flow with it. Now, after 
get good at it, you know what to ask, then you'll it can just flow through a natural conversation. Like I just I just make sure that I don't finish any conversation without covering the who, what, when, why, where, how. And sometimes there may not be a how, or there may not be a when, but at least I want to know if it's there. I was meeting with this guy the other day for the first time, and I asked him all these questions, you know, well, who, who are you with, and who does this, and who in your office is responsible for that, and why did you choose that person to be responsible for that, and when do they do this, what time of day does, does this actually happen, and when do they do that, and da-da. So by the time we had finished, we had talked for maybe 15 minutes, I already had his business plan made out. You know, he's like, well, Billy, we need to sit and come up with a with an idea of how you're going to help my agency. I was like, I just did. You know, and he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah, I have everything that I need. I know that Susie is doing this. I know when she's doing that. I know it's supposed to be on Tuesdays, but she doesn't. I know on Wednesday she takes her kid to school. I know. On the, and he's like, how did you? Because I asked questions. Yeah. So it. It becomes a process. And then I know facts, goals, obstacles, solutions. Oh, I want my agency to be a $10 million agency. Okay. Well, what do you have in place right now? What are you assigning value to? What are you, all these little questions that we learn to ask. So again, it, it becomes part of a process. And this, this by itself could be a whole, you know, half day class. So yeah. We'll move on from there. <laughs> okay. So then, so after asking questions, we go into mentors. And I feel like mentors is something that we just kind of overlook. We need to seek out mentors. Now, what is a mentor? A mentor is a person that has achieved a level of success in an area that you want to achieve that same or higher level of success. Some guy sitting on the couch can be a good, he can be a good counselor for you. He can be a good person to talk to, but if he's never, or he or she has never done what you have done or what you're trying to do, they can't mentor you. A mentor takes you by the hand and says, look, I've been, the, I've been down the road that you're going down. I've seen it, I've walked it, here are the landmines, here are the things that you're gonna to have to deal with, let me walk you through. See, a lot of times we think that part of our mastermind groups, as an example, the people that are struggling at the same level that we are, they're our mentors. No, they're not, okay? They're good advisors, they're good counselors, they can be great partners, they can be very successful relationships, but they're not mentors. A person that has achieved a level of success in an area that you want to achieve, that's who you seek out as a mentor, okay? A person can't truly mentor you on something unless they've accomplished it themselves. So don't confuse good counseling with mentoring. Yeah. Two totally different things. <laughs> so what should a mentor do for you? One, they should pass on wisdom. And you can't have wisdom if you didn't do it yourself. Next, they should show you easier, more efficient ways to do things. They need to help you identify your strengths and weaknesses. They help you identify resources that are available to you. They help you mature personally and in your business. They introduce you to people, resources, tools, and situations that will help you reach your goals. And understand, it is not your mentor's job to drag you to success. Your success has much more to do with your passion, your discipline, your work ethic than just having a mentor. A mentor can show you a lot of these things, but if you have no passion, no discipline, and no work ethic, you're wasting their time. And remember, the people that can help you the most have the least amount of time to do it. So you have to be prepared to be mentored. Don't waste their time and don't waste your time. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to shut up right there. And let me let me see if you have any specific questions. That's kind of that's kind of gone through the eight areas. Yeah, no. First of all, it it's I have a million questions. What I want what I'm I'm really interested in and you mentioned in your initial rundown of the list, but you didn't just dive a little deeper on and I'd love for you is why is it and I and I agree with this idea. That's why I want to ask this question is why is it so important for us as individuals to uh, seek out actually being mentors for others. Why? Why is that aspect of this relationship so important? Because in education, you'll when we get to education, or when you see my education section, it'll say the best way to learn something is to teach it. Yeah. That is the absolute best way to learn something because it forces you to go deeper. It forces you to go on so many levels because you can't explain something you don't truly understand. So when we mentor someone else, it actually makes us stronger. The reason why I'm, I'm, I am where I am in life, not depending on you know, wherever you consider me, 
but the reason why I am is because I've been mentored my whole life, but I've been a mentor my whole life. From the time I was in the military, young private in the military, you know, they would assign other young privates for you to work with if you were a little bit higher than they were. And so I've been mentored my whole life, but I've also been a mentor my whole life. So when I came in the insurance industry, that was I sought out mentors. I immediately looked for the biggest, the best, the brightest, and I listened, and I humbled myself, and I controlled my ego and my arrogance, and I sat at their feet, and I took notes, and I listened, you know, because these are people that had walked that path. They had been down that path. They knew what was going on. And, and you have to be careful. Sometimes you can choose a mentor who's so jaded about everything that they're not, they're not mentoring you on anything, that you're just, you're just a... It's a bitch session. Every time you give them, oh, this company sucks. And I remember back in whatever, and they used to do this. And now they don't, we, our commissions used to be 22%. Now they've cut them to 12 and this all sucks. And that, no, I don't want that. I want someone who's like, look, let me show you how to make the maximum out of this 12%. Let me show you how your overrides and your bonuses and your profit sharing can get you back to 22%. Okay. So that's, that's what I want. But the best way to learn something is to teach it. That's why we need to be mentors so that we are we're forcing ourselves to go deeper, stronger, faster, look at things on so many different levels so that we can explain it to someone else. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I, I think the mentorship, one of the things that I've talked a little bit about on this show is uh, this, the concern I have over the mentorship gap that's coming um, with the cycling out of many of our more experienced members in the industry. Um, I'm worried that the, yeah, there's there's a group, the, you know, the largest segment of our of our uh, industry is 56 and above, right? The average agency owner is somewhere between 56 and 57. And then most of the industry tends to trend actually, uh, uh higher. Um, and then mm-hmm. there's this gap where there are, uh, incredibly qualified and, and amazing professionals in their, uh, early forties to early fifties, but it's actually a smaller demographic than what's growing is this under 40 year old group of, of professionals in our industry, right? So how do you take the knowledge and the expertise and the, and the wisdom and the, and the experience of, uh, this amazing group of professionals who really brought our industry along the 56 and older and, and how do we download that into the 27 to 37 year olds who are hungry and want to work this new marketplace that we're but but still need that that knowledge that uh that normally would be passed on through mentorship i i don't know that i have the answer i'm I'm interested in your thoughts on that well i have some some answer to it first thing is a lot of these guys that are retiring they're only retiring from the day-to-day operations they're not retiring from the insurance industry Per se, I don't ever want anything to do with it. So I'm bringing on a lot of those folks within my company to be mentors within my company, you know. And so that that helps a lot. So if I got some 65 or 70 year olds out there that's been doing this for 40 years, and you want a part time job, call me at InspireNation.org. <laughs> we've got a place for you because we've got those 25 and 30 and 35 and 40 year olds that are coming to us saying, "Hey, we want this knowledge and experience." The other thing is. The other thing is you have to make sure that you start to connect with these folks now because insurance is something you literally can do till the day you die. Let's just be honest, okay? It's not like some jobs where, oh, you're so broken down and you're so – no. You can do insurance. You can be 80 years old, and if your mind is working a little bit, you still can do insurance. So young folks, go out and gravitate and find those older folks that maybe they are going to retire in five years, but their, their knowledge isn't going to retire in five years. Their wisdom isn't going to retire in five years. It's just their day-to-day functions retire in five years. And lock into those folks. Yeah. Lock into them. But what you're going to see, Ryan, you're going to see a lot of consultants. Okay, over the next five, ten years, trust me, whatever you see right now as consultants, I think we're going to have triple the amount of consultants yeah, I that we have that. today. Because those older, those older agents are saying, I'm getting out of the business, but I'm not getting out of sharing wisdom. Yeah. I'm just going to rent it as opposed to give it away. Yeah. I agree with you, man. I agree with you completely. Hey, I, uh, I, w- I want to leave. I want to leave the audience right there. I think this is this is so exciting. I, I, 
I love it. I mean, this is this is really, really good stuff. How do people, so I know you said you have to have the draft of the book um, by April, and mm-hmm. we're recording this before April, so the book isn't ready today, but where can people get some of these resources? Do you have anything that they can uh, download or whatever, or get I on a list sure so when the book do. comes out, they, they know where to go? I sure do. If yeah. you're interested, I actually have a training handout because this is a keynote that I do all over the country. Yeah. And so I actually have a training handout that goes through the eight sections and it has like two or three or some, sometimes more key points that we talked about today. And so they can go to bitly.com, B-I-T-L-Y.com forward slash ice cream download. Ice cream is, you know, it's all one word. There's no dots or anything. I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M download. So bit.ly.com ice cream download. And what that'll do is it's going to ask you to put in your first name and, you know, email address and stuff. And that'll give you a training handout, but it also puts you on our list so that when the book is out, we can notify you that the book is out. Yeah. Cool. I, I highly recommend everyone go there. We will also have it linked up in the show notes. So uh, if you don't remember that link, remember agencynation.com forward slash podcast. Just go there, find the episode um, with Billy, and you'll see we'll have it linked up. Um, and guys, uh, Billy is kicking off the day two. He is our he, he's our opening morning keynote of day two of Elevate. And, you know, I, I think a lot of conferences, you know, they kind of coast into day two. We're going to punch you right in the mouth to start 8 a.m. We're going to bring Billy out and hit you with this to punch your mouth in the in the in the figurative sense, not not in a literal sense. Right, 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 uh, right. There won't be anyone physically accosting anyone at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, but th- this type of content is exactly what Elevate All is about. I, I'm just I'm so appreciative of you coming to the event of you sharing this it's it i mean this is just this is exactly why i was so excited to have you part of the conference because this is this is so important stuff and there's like two or three things that i took notes on like the the knowledge versus wisdom thing like just i love the way and i'm, I'm stroking your ego right now and i hope you'll just allow me to do it um the way that you put things um makes sense but you don't I feel like it doesn't always like you don't think about it that way, and then you you say it, and I, I just especially with that now wisdom thing, I was like, oh yeah, like exactly, like I didn't even have a follow up question because in my mind I'm going, yes, that that I hadn't framed it that way before, so um, I love it, man. I, uh, I like I said, I'm appreciative you're coming. Um, it's and just you know sharing your expertise like this on the show with everybody, it it, it means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to the audience. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm honored. Well, it means a lot to me that you would even invite me to to come and speak at Elevate. You know, it's such a it's such a big time show. I mean, there are only two or three conferences that I truly, truly want to speak at. And Elevate is at the top of the list. Wow. Thank you so much for inviting. Thank you for saying that. Guys, if you do not have your ticket left, this conference is absolutely going to sell out. Uh, it may be sold out by the time you hear this. Um, so get your ticket, elevateconference.com, elevateconference.com. Get your ticket today. Uh, we're going to have 650 of the most forward-leaning, forward-thinking, driven, growth-focused insurance professionals in the entire country there, sharing ideas just like what you got um, um, from Billy today. And, uh, and I really want to see you there so thank you everyone for coming on the show for or for listening to the show billy thank you for coming on the show we're gonna get out of here all right all right guys and again just so you clear it's uh, it's bitly.com forward slash ice cream download awesome so thank you so much get that training guys get that training that will set you up for when you hear this live and then you'll be notified of the book and all the, all that good stuff this is exactly what you need to move forward so thanks billy thank you sir if they show love i'ma show it back if the catch is too small i'ma throw it back i've done a lot but i ain't got a lot to show for that all right yeah let's do that again they show love, I'ma show it back If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that Alright, yeah, let's get into it A lot of things have happened since we last spoke Like smash hopes, half empty, now this glass is broke And I'm the captain of this crash boat So when it's time to sink and swim, I always choose to do the back float I know that not a lot of humans are as sharp as I am My modesty's my greatest quality, it's not I'm lying I know I'm only just alright with this hard rhyme And no, I'm not applying myself 
myself In fact, I'm hardly trying But just imagine what would happen If I stuck to rapping, man I'd probably have a helicopter And a couple mansions With some guard dogs And a bunch of fans They love attacking Probably not But it's fun to imagine Hey, yo I can't complain of where I'm at I'm just happy to be here I'd be ecstatic If we happen to have a repeat here Thanks to Pro Leader I'm rapping the heaters While passing the reefer Man, that's what I call having a breather If they show love I'ma show it back if the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that Little mommy